Listener discretion is advised for anyone under the age of 16. Is anyone listening? No? Good. Now we can start. Today we're going to talk about something a little different, something we haven't done yet. This is a cult? Not a cult? A religion? You'll be the one to decide what you think it is. We're going to be talking about the Remnant Fellowship. I kind of stumbled upon this one, and it was a fun stumble upon. Who doesn't love a good cult, not cult story? I guess the the main story, actually the first thing I have written in my notes is a church or a cult? You have to decide. Okay, so the basis of this one is weight loss, believe it or not. It's based in Brentwood, Tennessee, where all the congregants live. So there's like the church in the center, and then all the congregants who go to this church uh, live in the area. Uh, the leader and her husband died in a plane crash, but it's unclear if this was truly an accident. So let's jump in. I guess the best place to start is Gwen Shamblin, who's the head of the church, or was. Um, at first, a lot of people thought she genuinely wanted to help people. Um, she was considered passionate. She wanted to teach others how to focus on God and build their relationships with him. Very idealistic. And she wanted to change the world with her faith. Heard that before. So she grew up in the Church of Christ, which is a very staunch Christian faith that believes they're the only group going to heaven. Also familiar. So later, she goes to college. She becomes a nutritionist. And this is where we start to see her two worlds collide. In the 80s, Shamblin starts to develop something called the Way Down Workshop, which becomes part of her Bible studies. A lot of people trust her already because she was already a member of the church. And the basis of this diet, not diet, is that you can eat whatever you want. There are no bad foods. Uh, you're supposed to wait until you feel physical hunger, and then you eat until you're satisfied. Um, and that you should only really think about food when your stomach growls. So according to Shamblin, you'd lose weight and then you'd be right with God because you're thinner. I finished that sentence off as if it was a question. Uh, as things were picking up with this workshop, she started to expand into new arenas like the fulfillment of life, quitting smoking and drinking. But really what made her so well known and what really brought her a lot of these followers were these way down workshops. And again, way is uh, W-E-I-G-H. So as in your weight. Uh, she decided it was time to start her own. And she sort of gives the impression that her new church is going to be the only true Christian church, unlike the one she grew up in. Because over time, I guess she started to feel that she needed to do her own thing. Members of her church had said that over the years, she became less forgiving and she became more strict with her congregation. And some of her ex-employees and, uh, and again, ex-congregation compare her weight loss methods and behavior to the plight of people in prison camps, which is on one hand, seemingly problematic to make a comment like that. On the other hand, when you, uh, you know, maybe watch a documentary or read about it, you realize to what extent she was controlling people's lives and controlling people's weight and, you know, assuming that somebody who is joining a church is looking for something and to be close to God, um, the, the thinner you are, the closer you are to God. You can only imagine 
the lengths that people went to. So a little bit about her personal life. Um, she was divorced and then she was remarried. So her second marriage is to a man named Joe Lara. Um, and a lot of people say that once he was in the picture, her sermons started to get shorter and they were on holiday a lot. And obviously there was a lot of chatter about him taking advantage of her wealth. And we'll, again, we'll, we'll see why people were saying that about him. It's believed that she did whatever she needed to keep him. Her ex-husband was very much visible when she was doing her way down workshops, but once she started up her own church, he wasn't so much a part of it. Some think it's because he'd put on weight and she didn't want him to be a part of it, but also he was heavier, so how could he be right with God, right? It's, again, problematic. So he didn't want a divorce, but Shamblin gave up a lot of assets and money to marry Joe. So basically she did whatever she needed to do to divorce her first husband so she could marry this guy, Joe Lars. The one who, there's a lot of chatter about him taking advantage. This is really interesting, especially because in her church, other couples were not allowed to get divorced. Particularly, she wouldn't allow other women in the church to divorce their husbands. And that was even if their husbands were cheating. Until now, because now she's divorced, so I guess divorce is okay. Her marriage to Joe Lara said that she got divorced and married again before the ink was dry. Uh, that's saucy. He was a, you know, a handsome guy when he was young. He was even Tarzan in a TV movie, so that kind of gives you an idea of what he probably looked like. He really hit the jackpot when he met Shamblin. He never seemed to have a proper job. And it sounds like he would also latch onto women who would then pay for everything. Um, and according to a documentary I watched, apparently he spent his whole life avoiding paying for anything and was even in trouble for tax evasion. In terms of employment, he was kind of like a handyman of sorts. He never really had a proper job, but I guess he was considered handy, and that's actually how he met Shamblin, because he was at her church to fix something. And at this time, he was also trying to become a country musician. And she had money and a recording studio at the Remnant Fellowship, so she helped him get recordings. In the documentary, they play some of his songs. I'm sure if you just Google like Joe Lara country music, it'll probably come up on YouTube or something. It's pretty shit. So enter at your own risk. So back to a bit about the church. Uh, and sorry, we're gonna go back and forth a little bit because it all I guess it's the easiest way to kind of get through it, to sort of understand where things are at. So we start to notice that there are problems in paradise within the, uh, the church. There's allegations of child abuse that start to arise. Some couples in the church even had multiple children who were killed as a result of the abuse that took place. Allegedly, I guess. Uh, there was a reference to children being hit with long glue sticks. The idea was that these were tools for keeping children obedient. Now adults, you know, the, those who were children growing up in the church discuss things like suicide, suicidal thoughts, deep depressions, and the mental abuse they suffered uh, as children. They also had no one to turn to or talk to and didn't even feel safe to talk to their parents because obedience was the key to everything. And if you know anything about cults, it's often that, you know, everybody mistrusts one another to a degree because you don't know who you can talk to, who you can trust, um, and who won't go to somebody higher up um, with, you know, whatever you've told them. So kind of breeding that mistrust is really, really important in cults um, to be able to maintain uh, control over 
these groups of people. So again, when we're talking about maintaining control, like I said, obedience was the key to everything. So everyone is expected to turn each other in. Again, obviously creating that mistrust among members. And according to the church, obedience is what brings you closer to God apparently. Men were considered the head of the household and the head of the church. Why any woman would join a church like that, I don't know, because obviously I would find that problematic. So yeah, men were considered head of the household and head of the church. You might be wondering, well, how is that possible, seeing as Gwen Chamblin was the head of the church, right? Well, although the woman who literally started the church is a woman, uh, she would claim that there were a group of leader men who were above her, but a lot of uh, ex-members say that this isn't true. And why bring this up? Well, because there are a lot of female ex-members who discuss things like spousal rape and situations where they were being forced to sleep with their husbands even if they didn't want to. Um, and women were told to be thinner, lose more weight, and be more submissive. There's a lot of focus in this church about what women were doing wrong. And regardless of how a man behaved, uh, many men would threaten to turn in their wives if they didn't obey, um, even if the real villain was the husband himself. So I think it's really important to sort of at least touch on that. And it's not the first time you'll have heard this if you like I said if you're you know interested in cults and have read other things is that it isn't uncommon for either the head of a group uh, if they're male to have a woman um, as their sort of second in command who then controls the women of the group or for even women who are the head of the group to do the same it's just really interesting because this is like we're I mean we're saying it's a church but it really ticks off a lot of cult boxes. So there are a lot of accounts of people who try to leave the fellowship. Uh, one of the greatest weapons that the church uses, as you might guess, uh, is custody battles, so as not to allow children to leave the group. Obviously, the younger somebody is in the group, the easier it is to sort of indoctrinate them and keep them in for longer term. There's even a really interesting account of Joe Lara and a, a woman he had a child with and him trying to, I don't want to say the word kidnap, but there was like some sort of custody battle in terms of trying to keep his daughter with him and her mother did not give up. So... As I mentioned at the beginning, the heads of the church died in a plane crash. Shamblin, her husband, Joe, and five others died. It was a small plane. Joe was the pilot when the plane went down. No one's actually sure if it was deliberate, meaning that he made the decision to take the plane down or if the plan was like tam the plane was somehow tampered before they took off. Shamblin's daughter was supposed to take over because she was groomed for that role. And again, this is really interesting because the rules are, you know, that men are the head of the house, head of the church. Uh, she did have a son, it does have a son, but it was her daughter that was groomed for the role. From what I could find today, what's happening with the Fellowship Remnant Church is that it's actually been pretty quiet from the sounds of it. It's been said that Shanlin's daughter actually has taken more of a back seat and that they're mostly playing old sermons over and over. It's not a totally unique case that things can sort of lose momentum if there isn't that dynamic and energetic leader to take over. It's actually very rare that cults are able to, sorry, churches, cults, uh, are able to maintain their momentum after their leader either is proven to be human in a lot of cases or the, the leader dies. I think one of the few cases where it actually like 
picked up in momentum is if you think about like David Koresh, like the Branch Davidians, because he took over from another woman who was the leader of the group before him, but can't really think of any other case off the top of my head. So yeah, that's the story of uh, the Remnant Fellowship. I don't, I don't even know where to start in terms of how I feel about this, although I've probably been pretty obvious and clear throughout. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Let me know what you think, uh, or you can check me out at Patreon as well. I guess that's it. See ya.